Hey everyone, it's Harry and welcome to another episode of A to Easy. I've got Sally here with me. Hi everyone, um, so what are we covering today, Harry? One of the cornerstones of general surgery, appendicitis. Nice. Okay, let's get straight into it. Harry, what is appendicitis? So, appendicitis is inflammation of the appendix. And how does that happen? It happens because the appendix becomes blocked, which then causes it to become inflamed. When it is blocked, the inflammation beneath the blockage can't escape out and it causes the appendix to expand. But how does it become blocked in the first place? So in the first place, there's two common reasons. First one's a faecal lift, which blocks the open end of the appendix, or because of lymphoid tissue around the area which also blocks it. A faecal lift is a hard piece of stool. They are more common in individuals who have chronic constipation, particularly found in children and the elderly. They are one of the reasons why we recommend a high fibre diet and proper hydration to patients with bowel problems. Okay? And the lymphoid tissue swelling, on the other hand, is more exclusive to cases of paediatric appendicitis. This makes sense because the appendix is basically the colon's lymphoid storage unit. Okay? It is full of so-called mucosa-associated lymphoid tissue or malt. And this is why we think the appendix has some form of immune function role. It, it possibly interacts with the gut microbiome, if anyone ever asks what the appendix does. Okay, so really simply, appendicitis can be caused by blockage of the appendix, probably from a thecolith or from swelling of the lymphoid tissue around it. Yes, and then it expands and starts to swell up. Also, a major cause in the developing world is a helminth infection. Um, follow me here. It's called a scaris, which is the really common one, and it's estimated to be present over a billion people worldwide, and that can cause appendicitis. Okay, good to know. Niche knowledge of fifth year as well. So tell me about the epidemiology of appendicitis, like children, the elderly, who usually gets it? Your classic patient is a teenage boy, and it is slightly more common in men and most prevalent between the ages of 10 and 20. The thing to note is that appendicitis is actually incredibly common, as you all know, we've all heard of it, right? So we see a, uh, we see a lot of cases which do not conform to the classical picture of a teenage boy. Speaking of classical pictures, tell me about the pain caused by appendicitis. I actually got asses in, in paces. Last Tr- triggered, week. triggered. I know, honestly, honestly. So it starts around the umbilicus and then it moves down to the right iliac fossa, specifically to a landmark called McBurney's Point. Yes, exactly. You clearly did okay. Um, can you imagine why that happens? I really didn't do okay, but that's fine. Um, patient actually had diverticulitis. Um, never mind. So oh, no. the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> the reason um why that happens so i do remember something about um different uh nerve supply of like the visceral and the skin. okay no 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 no, no, no. I, I, as in yes but you can't just say something about and then go eh. so <laughs> so we've got to be specific okay so think about it like this and fo- follow me here here's an analogy for you your body is designed to, to generally survive threats okay things like saber-toothed tigers and whatever else tigers tend to live outside of your body so we have developed a very good system for detecting pain caused by something outside of your body. Think back to those diagrams of dermatomes where you have lots of them going across the abdomen, sensitive to the outside of the body. Now on the inside, it's less crucial to know exactly where the problem is. It's just useful to know there is a problem in general, okay? In the abdomen, the nerve supply has three main sections, which is based on embryology. Okay, don't groan, don't be unhappy. It's going to be simple. <laughs> it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. So in embryology, there's four gut midgut and hindgut. Each region therefore covers a pretty big area because that's the entirety of the GI tract covered. 
meaning when there is a problem on the inside which irritates the nerves via the visceral peritoneum, it leads to a, a vague set of symptoms because it can only be one of those three options. So, oh, okay. sorry, this is you. <laughs> okay, I think I got it. You almost lost me at the tigers. But basically, at the start of appendicitis, the appendix causes vague umbilical pain because it's swelling and stretching the outer casing, and that's the visceral peritoneum. And the visceral peritoneum can only detect if it's foregut, midgut, or hindgut. Yes, exactly, because the visceral peritoneum only has three options, midgut, foregut, hindgut. Then it gets worse, so it gets even bigger. It is then able to touch the parietal peritoneum on the anterior side of the abdomen. The nerves here are the same nerves that detect pain on the outside of the body, meaning we suddenly get a much clearer picture of what's going on. As after all, there are like, what, six or seven dermatomes that run across the abdomen, and that can be either side. So the pain is therefore much better located in the latter stages, and that makes much more anatomical sense. Which is why we end up with the classic McBurney's point in the rightly at fossa, right? Yep, and because you mentioned it again, via question, where is McBurney's point? Uh, see, I do know the answer to this. Did I get asked it in paces? No, sad times. But it is a point along the imaginary line from the acis to the umbilicus. It's a third of the way along, um, thinking closest to the acis. Excellent. See, you probably did all right. And it's pretty close to where the appendix lives, is, is the key point. Now, just to make things more complicated, there is quite a lot of anatomical variations to what direction the appendix points in. If you were particularly keen, I would know that the most common type of appendix is a retrocecal positioned appendix. Because it moves retro, i.e. backwards, it can sometimes present with right lower-sided back pain. That is the only clinical piece of information I would glean from that, okay? Let's summarise so far. Appendicitis happens classically in teenagers, slightly common, more common in males, caused by thecalus or lymphoid swelling, presents with abdominal pain that migrates from the umbilicus to McBurney's point. Are there any other like features on the history that we should be looking out for that make it a bit more barn door? Hmm. Okay, so we are specifically talking about acute appendicitis here. So you should see this develop over two to three days. Vomiting is also common, but not an essential or frankly specific feature. There are some signs, however, that you should look for on examination. Such as? Rosphinx, psoas, which is also known as copes, and then the obturator test. Those three will do you pretty well. Rosphinx is a very simple to carry out, and it's the one you most classically do as a student. You press down, because we forget the others, you press down in the lower <laughs> left quadrant, and then you ask the patient if and where it hurt when you pressed. A positive test is that pressing on the left causes pain on the right pain over McBurney's point. That suggests that right is where the problem is and the appendix is irritating the anterior peritoneum as we spoke about earlier. This is because when you press on the left, you press the visceral peritoneum onto the inflamed appendix. The other oh, two... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you're just pressing... As you press down on the tummy, it presses onto that irritated bit. The irritated bit is on the right, so it causes pain. The other two, psoas and obturator tests, are probably better visualised than described. So we have some clips in the description for you guys to have a look at. The positive for each of these tests is pain during the movement of these muscles, which is because moving them brings them into contact with the inflamed appendix. The psoas and the obturator tests are not the most sensitive things in the world, but are actually pretty specific, meaning not every patient with appendicitis will have the sign, but if you have a patient who seems like they have appendicitis and is psoas or obturator positive, that's, that's pretty suggestive clinically. And if you wanted, a, I don't know, extra gold star, you might know that psoas abscess can also make that all a bit more complicated as a picture. But I did not know what one of those was in third year, so we can move on from that. 
No, I think I learned about that literally last week from a past paper. You can get Woo. a star's access. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us go. Um, <laughs> so in summary, we've got Rothsings, SOAS and Obturata tests. What else can we examine for? Abdominal tenderness in the right iliac fossa is really common. Likewise, mm-hmm. you should check for rebound tenderness, which is where it hurts more when you take your hand off the abdomen than when you're actually pressing. Guarding is also suggestive, which is where the abdominal muscles tense up and try and protect the inflamed organs during palpation. Okay, so we're looking for rebound tenderness, guarding, as well as our rossings, psoas and obturata signs. Anything else we can look for generally on examination? So the patient might be vomiting, which is a pretty instant thing you'd see on exam, um, but, but often it's a few episodes are common and you find it more classically in the history, they'll just tell you. Similarly, patients report losing their appetite which we call anorexia, but this is an acute thing that's not related to the eating disorder, which is anorexia nervosa, just to be clear. And a mild fever is also common. Okay, so we've taken our history, we've done our meticulous examination, we've got our gold stars by finding that the patient has rough-seeing sign and guarding. What are we going to do next to investigate? So for children with query appendicitis, it is useful to examine the ears and throat as one key differential in this particular age group is mesenteric adenitis, which is lymphoid tissue swelling elsewhere in the gut that relates to a recent infection, commonly of the upper respiratory tract. So maybe some other lymphoid swelling, mesenteric adenitis. Otherwise, the good news is that you can diagnose appendicitis on clinical suspicion. However, there are some useful blood tests. Such as? Plain and simple FBC and CRP, so you'll probably say them even when you're nervous. A significantly significantly raised white cell and CRP together are a very good indicator of acute appendicitis in these kind of patients. You're right, they do kind of roll off the tongue. Good ones to remember, FBC and CRP. Um, Fine, any imaging that we need to do? So this is where our sort of caveats and and minutiae come in. Sometimes a CT abdo pelvis, ideally with contrast, is done. If there's any doubt over the diagnosis which is common in older people where diverticulitis, or you shouldn't feel that bad about your places, is a, is a possible turn to diagnosis. There we go. Wi- oh, yeah, um, smash oh, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can be calm now. In women with childbearing age, you would consider doing an abdominal ultrasound scan, and that's to exclude any ONG-related pathology like an ovarian torsion. Okay, But remember, this is third year, not fifth year, so just know it's a thing you would check for. Often, we just proceed to management. Right, yeah, of course, because it's usually a clinical diagnosis. Um, And then, yeah, how do we manage acute appendicitis, Harry? You have two options, really. You have conservative medical management or surgical. Conservatively, we are giving pain relief and medically a a course of antibiotics. Surgical management in a COVID-free world anyway is the mainstay of management. But prophylactic antibiotics are often given to reduce wound infection risk. Cool. Okay. So, Harry, you want to be a surgeon. Tell me about the surgery. Wow, outing me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're Uh, expecting big things here. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) So, well, okay, prepare to be amazed. Um, Well, firstly, in the UK, it's termed the appendicectomy. And this is the thing I did not realise until I turned up in med school. Um, So when I I watched Grey's Anatomy, appendectomy is not what we say here. It can be done using a laparoscopic or open approach. And laparoscopic is the most common nowadays. The appendix is normally about the size of your finger. The surgeon ties it off at the base where it connects to the colon and then resects it, removing it using a small bag. You should be able to recognise the common appendicectomy scars for an open surgery. Is that the one, it's sort of oblique and it's in the right iliac fossa, right? Yeah, so this is the classic thing you'll see in like oskies and paces where they're just trying to like quick, can you tell me this, this buzzword answer, yes or no? So for 
absolutely oblique short scar right here fossa for extra points you could call it a grid iron scar and if the scar is more horizontal and in a skin crease that's a, a similar one but it's called a lands incision Ooh, okay grid iron or a lands incision they're good words i'm enjoying them <laughs> you're so odd anyway okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really have a comeback for that uh, no yeah. sorry rude no rude. it's fine <laughs> Moving on, uh, yeah, rude. Rude but true, never mind. <laughs> um, the other thing to mention here is that the as the junior doctor, your job when seeing these patients is to be able to recognise that they are unwell and they need a surgical review. That is ultimately your job, okay? That, just figure that part out, you'll be fine. And when you do that, you should make them nil by mouth for the sake of the surgery. And then because of that, you should give them some fluids, because they're not going to be drinking, alongside the analgesia we already mentioned. If they are vomiting, also consider anti an antiemetic as well to stop that because a vomiting patient is an unhappy patient. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Okay, so no by mouth, fluids, analgesia, antiemetic, refer to surgeons, done. And if they are female, in particular, what else should you check? Whether they're pregnant? Yes, 100%. A urine pregnancy test will give you that answer, which is really important in case this was an actually an ectopic pregnancy, mimicking appendicitis. Do you remember I mentioned those whole things about ONG causes that mimic appendicitis? That's one of your key ones. Also, on the flip side, a key differential in young boys is testicular torsion. So you should check the testes as well, um, because if there's pain there, you need to rush into theatre anyway and do a separate operation. Oh, okay. So always do a pregnancy test in a woman of childbearing age. Uh, check the testes in males. What about complications, prognosis? What are the complications of appendicitis, Harry? There are three that I'm going to tell you about. The appendix can swell so much that it cuts off its own blood supply, causing ischemia and then necrosis. When that happens, because it's ischemic and unhealthy, the, the appendix wall is weak and it can burst. And a perforated appendix needs urgent, urgent surgery. These patients need lavage, which is slang for washout. In this case, the peritoneal cavity with saline... You, in this case, you wash out the peritoneal cavity with saline to try and get rid of all the infection. Secondly, the body can realise there's a problem at the appendix, as well as we us realising, and mobilise the so-called policeman momentum to cover the appendix and create an appendiceal mass, or an appendix mass. This complication is important because it can actually change the management. Here, patients are often given a long course of antibiotics for around 10 days instead. And an appendix mass the appendix can actually just break down as a result of the infection. Finally, as with any infective process, it can lead to the formation of an abscess, which is a pus-filled collection. And as the old adage goes, if there is pus about, let it out. So you manage the abscess with a drain insertion, and the appendix will likely have auto-lysed in this scenario too. So you're not really going to remove it if there's nothing to remove. Crikey, okay. Yeah, sorry, that was so, a lot. <laughs> that, that was a lot. Although the policeman momentum, that was a throwback. I remember learning about that in um, like first and second year. Okay, so to summarise, as we said, in women of childbearing age, make sure you do a pregnancy test. In males, check the testes. And our complications, very briefly, include perforation, which will need surgery with lavage, an appendix mass, which will need antibiotics, and an abscess, which will need drainage, because if there's possible, you let it out. 100%, yes. Awesome. Okay, so, and the good news is the prognosis for appendicitis is actually very good overall, as, as, as you'll probably know. Most patients, after a laparoscopic procedure, are able to go home the next day, and some with severe inflammation might be given antibiotics in the following few days. And I suppose the real good news is that that brings us to the end. <laughs> um, so, Whoa. 
finished. Yeah, well, we smashed it. All right, now to go revise. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Well done for making it through. This was a really useful one. Hello, this is Yvonne, and here is your summary on appendicitis. Appendicitis is the inflammation of the appendix caused typically by either a fecolith or lymphatic tissue swelling. It is very common, but overall the textbook patient is a teenage boy. History features include 2-3 to three days of vomiting, anorexia, fever, and centralized abdominal pain. On examination, patients are classically tender in the right iliac fossa over McBurney's point with Rovesing's psoas and obturator signs also suggestive. Key differentials include ectopic pregnancy and ovarian torsion in women of childbearing age, mesenteric adenitis in children, and diverticulitis in older patients. Diagnosis clinical by a raised white cell count and CRP reinforce the clinical suspicion. The main state of management is surgery, most commonly laparoscopic appendicectomy. Open surgery scars include gyridion or lung sensation. Three important complications of appendicitis are perforation, an appendix mass, and abscess. Perforation requires urgent lavage, an appendix mass requires antibiotics, and an abscess requires urgent drainage.